The scripture this morning comes from 1 Peter, the second chapter, verses 11 through 25. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against your soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that though they malign you as evildoers, they may see you, honorable deeds, and glorify God when he comes to judge. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor as supreme or of governors, or sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right, you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. As servants of God, live as free people, yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil. Honor everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, accept the authority of your master with all deference, not only those who are kind and gentle, but also those who are harsh. For it is to your credit if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, where is the credit in that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that, free from sin, we might live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you return to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. When you, when you read the passage from First Peter, I'm assuming you read it at home before you came to church. What did you get from the passage? When you hear the passage read this morning, what does it mean to you? Peter, as we continue our series on the first epistle of Peter, Peter is challenging us to live a godly life in a pagan world. When you look at the world in which you live in, every day 
What comes to mind? Have you ever asked yourself, as a Christian, what is or are my contributions to the world in which we live? What am I doing to make the world a better place? What am I saying to make the world a better place? In other words, what are my contributions to the world? Because a Christian is supposed to make things better. Amen? So the question is, what am I doing to make the world a better place? What is the date today? You can talk. September 1st. Does it mean anything to you? Does it mean anything to you? It means a lot to me because two of my boys were born in September. September 23rd and September 29th. So it means a lot to me. But what does September 1st mean to you? And I can just end the message with that question and let you go home and think about September 1st and what it means to you. But then, Sandy will not give me my check at the end of the week. Do you remember, I was not even born yet, on that September 1st, because it was 80 years ago, 8-0 years ago today, that the Nazi from Germany drove into Poland, dropped their bombs, and started what we know as World War It is on this day that the epistle of Peter is saying to us, Christians, live a godly life in a pagan world. It is on this day we need to consider, what am I doing to make the world a better place? I once read about a Nazi survivor of World War II Nazi camp concentration camps. After the war, this man became a college professor. His story is all the more interesting because he survived and accomplished everything he accomplished as a person who was blind. In one of his notes, he says, something has amazed me for a long time. It is that blind people never speak about the things they see. At least, I never hear them talk about the things they see to those who see 
with their physical eyes. Blind people never talk about the things they see to those of us who have physical vision. And he says, rather, very often, we blind people are together. And when they are together, they tell each other what they perceive. Then why do they ordinarily keep quiet about what they see? When they're together, they talk about what they perceive. Then why do they keep quiet ordinarily about the things they see? And then he says, I think that basically the reason is rather simple. They keep quiet because of society. They keep quiet because of society. And then he concludes, to live in society, one must, at any cost, resemble everyone else. To live in society, one must, at every cost, resemble everyone else. Society demands it. Now you can have your debate on his assumption. But society demands a lot from us. Society demands that you order the speed limit. Because the trip is over three hours and I should be there at 10 o'clock. And on 75, it's like every 10 miles, there is a highway patrol waiting for us. I have seen them, but not that many. I know it's a, it's a holiday weekend, but not that early on a Saturday morning. But they were waiting for us. Some people got tickets. Some people escaped like me. Society demands that we keep the speed limit. During the days of Jesus, as in our day and in our generation, society demands loyalty to the tax code. We each have to pay taxes. And if you don't, you are in trouble with society. And so during the days of Jesus, in one instance, Jesus was confronted with this question. Teacher, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor? Lawful to pay taxes to the state? Talk about a loaded question. If we are talking about the law of Rome, the law of the imperial government of Rome, of course, it's legal to pay taxes to the emperor because it's illegal not to pay. And if Jesus 
so much as hinted that the taxes paid to Rome are out of order, the full force of the law would be down upon Jesus. And the particular issues may be different for us, but the problem of the problem of questions of allegiance to, to society is a familiar one. There are times when deeply held values and non-negotiable, I mean, that is constant. Times when we feel as if no matter what we decide, we will be wrong and or we will be in deep trouble. Who hasn't struggled with how to respond to situations in the world? Who hasn't struggled with how to respond to personal crisis? I mean, we face that every day. What type of decision am I going to make? We struggle with that every day. My friends, to live as Christians in a consumer society, for example, is no easier and no harder than to be faithful as a Jew in a Roman rule society, especially in the first century of our Christian faith. God knows we have to play by the rules of a given nation. And Jesus' answer to the question about paying taxes acknowledges that. But playing by the rules is completely different from buying into the game. And we live in a society now that most of us are buying into the game. We do not only play by the rules. And so in the first century, as the Apostle Peter sent his epistle to these Christians who were scattered in five or so provinces, suffering for their faith, suffering because they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to do what is proper in a society that did not recognize the Almighty God. The Apostle Peter in this passage challenges us as he challenged them in the first century to play by the rules but never buy into the games as disciples of Jesus Christ. And therefore, he urges us in the scripture. Number one, he says to us, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires. That's the first thing he says. You live in a pagan society, but you are different from them because you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, you are the little Christ. So Peter says to them, as he says to us in the 21st century, he says, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, 
And we determined that few Sundays ago that this world is not our home. No matter what we do, no matter what we possess, this world is not our home. We are foreigners, we are exiles, we are pilgrims, we are passing by. Abstain from sinful desires. Abstain from all the negative things in the world. All the lust of the flesh. Abstain from them. And then he says, he, give, he gives them the reason. He says, which wage war against your soul? Then he says to each of them and to us, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That's the challenge for us, to abstain. In other words, in, in, in Romans, the Apostle Paul says, present your body as a living sacrifice. In the Gospel, Jesus says, you are in the world, but not of the world. And Peter says to us, we have to be careful what we do and what we say. You know why? That's what the children were taught this morning. Be careful. You are there to help, to give hope. You are not there to drag down. And then Peter continues his challenge, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Verse 15, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slave or God's servants. The Christian life is not an easy life. There are a lot of things we have to observe as Christians. And the real reason is simple. We lead. We lead. Christians are leaders. Remember that we are the light of the world? The person with the light goes forward, not so? To show the path. And that's each of us, Christians. We lead. Every Christian should have somebody they are leading. They are mentoring. They are giving hope to. And Peter continues as he concludes in verse 17. He says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. My friends, show proper respect to everyone. Do we do that? He says, 
love the family of believers. Who are the family of believers? Those of us who call ourselves Christians, we already believe. Peter says, love one another. Why do these people continue to tell us to love one another? Jesus said it, Paul said it, John said it, Peter is saying it now. Why? Because love conquers everything. And Peter says, the family of believers, the church, they will know us by what? By our love. So Peter says, love the family of believers, fear God, in other words, respect God, and honor the, um, the emperor. And in our, in, our, in, our, in our case, you can say the governor, the president, honor them. It's biblical. My friends, being a Christian in today's society may be the hardest thing you will battle with on a daily basis. But on the other hand, being a Christian in today's society is the most important thing you could ever be. As we all know by now, Peter was writing to all these Christians struggling with their faith. Though they, the Christians who were scattered all over, like Peter himself, had all suffered great persecution. Yet still, Peter encouraged them to live godly lives in society so that those around them could see God revealed in their lives. We are different. Every day, you make something different for people around you. My friends, Peter sums up nicely how we are to relate to those around us, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. That's what Peter says, and that is what the challenge is for us today. Respect the people around you. Love the family of God. Do you love your church? Maybe that's the question. Do you love your church? Remember now, I'm not saying do you love the building. I'm saying do you love your church? Because your church is the person by you, the person around you, the person you see every day who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Society is sending us messages that stand in contrast to the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said, seek purity, forgiveness, and serve one another. Seek purity, seek forgiveness. This morning I was listening to the news and I noticed that the Pope, in his Sunday morning mass, asked for forgiveness. This morning. Asked for forgiveness. You know why? Yeah, the guy got stuck in the elevator for 25 minutes. So he was late. He was late to start his weekly thing, you know. So the first thing he asked for it was forgiveness. And that's what the world does not understand. Jesus says to you and to me, seek purity. Live a holy life. A few weeks ago, the scripture says, you must be holy, says God, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. 
Jesus says, live a, pure, a, a life that is purified. Forgive one another. And then serve one another. Society celebrates scandal. Society celebrates revenge. Society celebrates being served. Jesus says, you serve. Society says, no, somebody should serve me. Jesus says, forgive. Society says, I will revenge. Jesus says, purity. Society says, scandal. My friends, what you do as Christians count because we are the church and we are not followers of society's celebrations. But for many of us, we are like a secretary to a retiring Liberian. And they decided to give the Liberian a farewell dinner. At the close of the Liberian's farewell celebration, there was a speech. And the Liberian, in her farewell speech, the gathering gave her a standing ovation after the speech. All except the secretary. When the gathering was over, someone approached the secretary and asked her why she was so disrespectful and why she came to the dinner in the first place. And the secretary replied, well, I had it was going to be a good meal and I was hungry. My friends, we are better than that. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We should never allow society to lead us. We, the church, should be leading society. We need not forget that Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. The truth is, if the church depended on the goodness and the grace of society to survive, the church would have died out centuries ago. Perhaps, perhaps we can remember that fact the next time we allow society to lead the church. We have a leader. His name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let us allow him to lead us. The only leader we could follow because he's the foundation of the church. How do you live a godly life in a pagan world? First, you have to love. Love God. You have to put your trust in no one else but the foundation of the church, Jesus the Christ. I pray this day that each of us would understand that we have a role to play as Christians in a world that forgets that God is the creator. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the people of God say, Amen.